thank Keanu for asking me to go out to be his, his Uki on the first one because I was then a part of the core team for John Wick. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Inner West Hemp. Be sure to visit them online for all your CBD needs. This is the same company that I use daily from tinctures to rub-ons to CBD gummies. Some of their products are even USADA approved. Be sure to use the code JAMF, 15% off at checkout. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a member of 8711 Action Design and was a fight and stunt coordinator on Fast and Furious 9. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Mr. Justin Yu. What's up, boo-boo? What's up? How are you guys doing? Or should I say, howdy, sir? People must be so confused. First of all, this is our first ever Skype Jamcast, so you're making history. But secondly, they're probably wondering, why the hell is this Justin you guy wearing a cowboy hat? You know, it's, uh, I'm just sticking to the roots. You know, I'm, I'm a Chinese cowboy from Houston, Texas, and now... I think it's the funniest thing is that uh, people that don't know you have no idea that like you're legitimately from Texas. All of all of us homies know that like you walk around like <laughs> carrying a gun, wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, yo, thank you for joining us, especially during this uh, crazy, unprecedented time. And uh, like I said, you're the first one that we've ever had on Skype, but uh, I didn't want to break our pattern. I wanted to continue to pump these out to the people and, uh, Funny enough, this week I got a bunch of comments from people asking if I could get someone from 8711 on the Jamcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, I know this pandemic has been pretty crazy for everybody, and I hope everybody's safe and uh, they have their mask because I know California just passed their mask uh, requirement for every public stuff. And uh, my mom just sent me a bunch of masks. So I will be sending Jam and a bunch of stunt guys or whoever in the medical field who needs it. Please let me know. I will be sending these out. No way. Dude, that's like uh, that's like gold these days, man. Damn. You better be careful if people don't show up at your house right now. <laughs> well, I'm always ready for that. Home security is number one, you know. <laughs> and I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into talking about that. Oh, that's funny, man. So what have you personally been doing uh, since you've been quarantined? Like this is a rare time, not only for us in general, because we're stuck at home, but for someone like yourself, we're usually on the road like 11 months out of the year. So this must be crazy for you to actually be at home for once and not working. Absolutely. It is. Um, I've taken this time to really spend time with family and friends and uh, just really focus on like getting my mind back together. Cause we've, We've all been on the road for so long that we miss each other. We don't see each other for years on end. And, you know, just touching base with our friends that we grew up with and just talking to them, hoping they're well, making sure that your family's well, everybody's fed and, you know, just planning for the future. Because, you know, like I always think about things in a way where like you prep for war in a time of peace. Now, right now they're quarantining us. That's peaceful times. You know, you got to prep for what's going to come down. You know, we're not peaked yet. We got the really ensure ourselves and be careful. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just going to live. Heck yeah. And I know one of the things you're doing besides uh, husband duties, because you're recently married is, uh, and I don't mean to put you on blast here, but I just want to congratulate you. I know you've been putting together uh, the house that you and your wife actually just bought recently, right? Thank you so much. Um, it, it was, it's been super stressful. You know, she's, she's been doing everything, you know, she's, 
she's awesome. She's been home, you know, like she, she closed the deal of the house. I was on location in Atlanta working, um, you know, and she's just been the backbone of my life. And uh, yeah, it's been great, dude. I really enjoy it. That's crazy, man. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me at your wedding. Your wedding was so surreal because kind of like this quarantine, it's one of the few times where we all like weren't working. Like we took time off to like collectively come together. And it was, it was insane. I remember like at my table, I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, well there's Black Panther. Oh, there's Hawkeye. Oh, there's Captain America. (laughs) It was just like an echelon of like a, a huge display of every stunt double from around the world. You could think it was at your wedding. It was crazy. It was awesome, and I thank everybody for coming, you know, like, you guys are, every single one of you guys grew up with me, you know, like, I grew up in the industry, and you were one of the first people to give me my first backpads, you know, like, I, I would never forget that, you know, and like, you guys being at my wedding, I flew back from London, a bunch of people came from all over the world, and it was just awesome to see everybody come to, like, that Yeah, it's insane, man, and like you said, you kind of alluded to, like, we've all known each other for so long that, like, we're now getting to the point where we're seeing each other hit these like life tiers, like got married, bought a house. Some of our homies got two kids. I'm like, yo, <laughs> yo, oh, I'm over here. You know, dude, it's, it's life, you know, and it's, it's, it's amazing that we could experience it all together. And I hope that it keeps on going, you know? Hell yeah, man. And, and for me personally, like you said, like you, you kind of alluded to it and I'm not here to, uh, pat myself on the back for giving you your first backpack, but more so it's just surreal for me to see that like I was there. Was that your first official SAG stunt job that I was there for? It wasn't even SAG. It was after. It was before the merger. It was. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. And uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about right now, um, I'll throw the clip up on screen of, of your gag. But like what was funny was um, I was a, a double on the show kicking it, which was on Disney XD. And, um, because of this baby face, I was on that show so many times. I think I fought the lead character like five times in the same season, but as a different guy, but with no disguises. <laughs> They're like, God, oh, you're good. Being an extra, I actually auditioned for, for, to be an extra. No way. That was my Mitch Gould. I- yes, Mitch Gould. From, oh my God. He, he came up to me and he asked me, he goes, hey, can you do a back full? And I'm like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. And I'm just like, sure, yeah. And I, I remember like a bunch of you guys just like look at me like, and you guys are just like, oh shit, he's in for it. And he pulls out this eight incher. He gets on the stage and performs a back full Rex. Oh, and he just gets up like, and I'm just like, I gotta do that. Like, I just learned how to do a back flip last week. I guess that's what a back full is, you know? And, <laughs> It was awesome to experience all those moments with you guys, like the veterans and that I looked up to. And, you know, like I was an extra doing like karate forms. I'm like, man, look at those guys. And being able to work with you guys now is just amazing. And it's super cool. Now, I think that's like super. And the reason why I want to share that story is just so like other kids around the world may look at this as like a source of inspiration. Like legitimately, I was working on the show on Stunt Contract and you were just on the sidelines as an extra. And I'll never forget, they ha- I did some gag where I got like thrown in a hallway and you were like in the hallway and you were like, yo, you good, man? Like you need anything? And I'm like, oh, dude, this guy's pretty cool. Like, you know, most times we, we don't always interact with all the extras, but uh, you were like super cool and super welcoming from the beginning. So like, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, this kid's dope. I hope he gets a shot to work on the show. Thank you. Thank you, man. It was, it was really cool to see like all you guys 
just like eventually like i remember like down the road you were just working on like fast and fear seven i was like yo that's like my dream show and like you know being able to know that everybody's just doing what they love and just actually making it and doing films is it's amazing to see and that's so funny to me that you were like you were stoked that i was on fast and furious seven because you have had the opportunity to uh, work on Fast and Furious 8 and Fast and Furious 9, and uh, not just as a stunt guy, but uh, can you let people know like what role and what capacity you worked on on those films as? Um, on Fast and Furious 8, I was kind of just on the core team. Um, I helped um, my boss, J.J. Perry, he gave me a call one day, and he, he got the boost. He's uh, a great mentor of mine and like a father to me, but uh, awesome guy. Best person to learn stunt coordinating stunts from and just great ethics. He gave me a call one day and he's like, hey, um, what what superstar team would you put together? And I was like, well, it looks like everybody's in town right now. Like everybody's just chilling. He goes, hey, could you do a previous for me this weekend? And I was like, um, I think so. I'm working Friday because at the time I was running a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he was like. If you could get together a bunch of people to throw this previous together, I think I may have a shot at something. And I was like, all right, cool. And called in all our buddies, Anise, Danny, Kyle, everybody, you know, like Ben. Ben Everybody came up and everybody just went full out like mayhem. And it was just like a wreck fest. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we're all on a plane going to Atlanta. And we got, we're on Fast and the Furious 8. And I didn't even know what it was. And, you know, it's like usually... <laughs> My, when I hop on shows, it's kind of like that. It's like, you know, you listen to your boss, you go out there, it's, you have no emotions or feelings for it. You're just trying to make money and have fun, you know, and it's super cool to be with your friends and like to live in the shadow and to just do work, you know, like really go at it, really create something cool, have no egos and just be a team together. Yeah, man, that's crazy. And then fast forward from Fast and Furious 8, I know you did have like a, I'd say like a step up in position in Fast and Furious 9, you got to actually be a fight coordinator and technically like a co-stunt coordinator. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I got the opportunity to help JJ out on his units. Um, when he gets a second unit direct, um, I get to camera operate for him. I also get to um, be his stunt coordinator sometimes. So a lot of vehicular stuff, sometimes we he asks me to help when I'm not on main unit. And that way I can just, you know, just get on hands, get a camera and be like, hey, we could do this, we could do that and just pitch ideas and, you know, like just make his days a lot faster as a team. You know, it's all about teamwork and uh, being able to work on nine with Justin Lin. That was like a huge dream come true, you know, like growing up watching Tokyo Drift and all those movies. Once I got into stunts, it was like, that's the that's the ultimate goal, like. Go work on one of those big movies where you're crashing cars, you're drifting cars, you're doing all that and fights and being able to work with all these cool actors and just understanding story plus camera motion and making your days and all that. It's just super cool, man. Fast and Furious 9 was so epic. Like, I really hope it goes well. Yeah, man. And, and do you know when that's slated to come out officially? I heard that they pushed it a year just because wow. of this uh, this pandemic going on, um, I'm, but I'm not too sure anymore. It was slated to come out in May, but now I think I pushed a year. 
Wow, that's crazy, man. Well, I know like just from personally having worked on Fast and Furious 7, which was a unique circumstance because of everything that happened with Paul Walker on that one. Uh, just in general, like people don't understand that like there's working in the movie industry and then there's working on like big blockbuster movies, you know? And like we've been fortunate to work on some of them. And I think what people don't understand is like, there is a big difference, especially when you're in a position like us, when you get to fight coordinate and stunt coordinate, because some of these movies like the fast franchise, they are so gigantic just by the sheer number of lead actors that you have. Like the base camp alone, I'd be like, this is one of the craziest base camps I've ever seen with this many trailers, you know, like it's absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, it's completely different. You know, I've, I've worked on a lot of, um, lower ended budget films where I got to learn to stunt coordinate and, and then stepping into these big, big films, like your responsibilities are so great. Um, it's, it's super stressful, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, my boss JJ tells me this all the time. is like, put your ego away, look yourself in the mirror. You're doing this. This is entertainment and have fun, bro. Like at the end of the day, you're making money for your family. You're making something cool and it's not real. You're doing it for your audience and enjoy yourself. And just knowing that, like working on these films, because everything's like, they spend like $300,000 on just this one shot, you know, like this yep. build was massive and this gimbal's turning and you got one stuntman running through there and it's, it's a huge stunt. Like every single point is can hurt him and he can break an ankle at any given point and you know like we're looking at this and we're all these departments are throwing in their their two cents now like they're the stunt coordinators and it's at the same time it's how you manage other departments you know like yes. how do you talk to them how do you how do you make them feel comfortable of what something they built you know like and collaborating with them and you know like being young and being by these great coordinators and learning these things and watching JJ do this stuff and navigate these guys, especially actors who may not feel comfortable doing something, you know, like mm -hmm. those, are the, those are the key moments that I feel that these big, big shows make a big difference between the smaller shows. And those are very, very big calls that you have to make. It's kind of like, hey, you got to make that call. You got to stick with it and your team's always going to be behind you. So let's run with it and let's do it, you know, like. And it's just getting everything done very efficiently because prep days, like if you if you don't prep this one gag that you're supposed to shoot next week and you don't have time to prep that, when you show up on the day and you got Justin Lin and the whole entire crew like staring at you like yeah. and you just you're you're just in this moment where like everybody's watching you fail and now you miss a day and now the producers are staring at you like and it just feels horrible. So always what we do is, you know, like always be prepared, you know, time of peace, you know, you have that time of prep, just really run at it. And once it becomes shooting times, it's like, it's clockwork. Everything's easy. You know, you got your teamwork in place, everything, you know, everything. Yeah, man. And it's crazy. I think one of the things that people don't realize also is that like, there's this inherent sense of pressure, especially on a franchise like that, because guys, this is Fast and Furious 9. It can't be worse than 8765432 as far as action's concerned, right? Like, you gotta up the ante, you gotta make it bigger, you gotta make it better. And like, with each of those just comes added pressure, added responsibilities, so many more factors by adding in new actors and new characters into the mix and stuff. And uh, it's absolutely insane. I think one of the, the coolest things to me, 
And, and I'm not someone that's like very much about, you know, Asian pride, as you know, I, I kind of associate myself as being like a very westernized, Americanized individual. But uh, I think one of the coolest things about the Fast franchise that people don't realize is that it is single-handedly, in my opinion, the most successful multi-ethnic franchise of our generation. I mean, this is the ninth movie in the franchise, and name me who the stars are. Like, with the exception of Paul Walker back in the day and Jason Statham, you have an all-ethnic cast from Vin Diesel. You know, you got Ludacris, you got Michelle Rodriguez, you got Tyrese. And like, I think this gets overlooked a lot because people are like, oh, it's a corny movie with all this corny action and car stuff. But I'm like, guys, it's a multi-ethnic starring cast that has survived nine movies. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's super cool to work for. And, you know, like the cast itself, every single one of them are super cool. Like they have their moments, but, you know, like getting to know them, it's just being able to work with that franchise you know like you said it's just super cool they survived nine franchises like wow you know and they're going for 10 i believe too i think and i mean they already had a break off with Hobbs and shaw it's like dude this thing is evolving you know yearly so to speak you know at this point so it's it's insane to see and we're both blessed to have been a part of the franchise you know in our own respective ways it's uh it's pretty surreal hell yeah man and now like along the lines of uh of blockbuster movies like not only uh have you got the chance to do this i know one of the most recent ones that came out was you had the chance to also be a coordinator on gemini man with will smith which just recently came out and uh, how long did you guys work on that movie for and where were you guys based out of so that movie jj actually started that movie almost a year before um it went into pre-pro um Aang and JJ actually have a really good relationship and Aang came to JJ and asked about this and he said if he can help him R&D it in the very beginning. Um, at that point, I was actually coordinating a show called Miss Bala in Mexico. Ah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I actually wasn't attached to it in the beginning, but on July 4th, the day that my dad passed away, I had gone back to LA to, to pray for my dad. And during that time, JJ pings me, he goes, Hey, do you want to swing by 87 to meet Aang right after? And I was like, yeah, I would love to. It's Aang Lee, you know? Yeah. Huge. I show up and Jeremy Marinas, Eric Brown and Manny Manzanares, they're all working there. And Aang asks me to flow with Eric because you know, Eric is my jujitsu teacher and I understand a little bit of his movement and gun stuff. So he asked us to flow together. And I think off of that day, he had a vision of cloning Will Smith in this, this, this story and making the best fighters do interaction on film and grabbing the emotions and then getting the same stuff from like vehicles and letting people understand the first person view of how you start a bike, what it does and stuff like that. And after that day, I didn't think anything of it, but going down the line, I finished my show in Mexico four months later. um, JJ asked me, Hey, do you want to be involved with this film? And I was like, absolutely. You're my boss. Let me know what I, what I could do to help. You'll be on point for all the motorcycle stuff and you're going to Columbia this weekend. And I was like, wait, what? And at this point, I think 
I already went on to another show and I was wrapping up and, oh, I was on a skate plan with Ben yes. and Clay in Ohio. This was a Friday night. I had to take the trailer all the way back to Texas and then uh, fly to Columbia. I get there, barely read the script and Aang's like, uh, did you read the script? And I'm like, uh, yeah. sure, sir. <laughs> and I called JJ. He's like, hey, man, you're going to do great. Don't worry about it. Talk to Aang, get the notes, see what you can help him with. I'm over there. Aang starts walking and he's just like, hey, can you jump the bike from here to here? And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, never say no, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, try to get creative. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, yeah, sir, we could do it. And next thing you know, we go back to L.A. I get a phone call from the producers and it's like, hey, the show's going to go. We need you in Savannah. JJ put you forth. Are you willing to come next week? And JJ calls me. He goes, hey, take point. I'm currently on a show called Skyscraper. I want you to take point on that. Go to Columbia again. Do another location scout and help them create the sequence. And I went back to Columbia. And at the time, I called Tony Carbajal, Jeff Groff, Jay Lynch, and all these guys that I knew that were my mentors in the vehicle world. And I was like, hey, like, I've never jumped a bike. Like, I, I love motorcycles, but I've... No way, man. I'm gonna let you guys do that. And I started giving them schematics and they were like, yeah, that's possible. We could do that. We could do this. We could do this. And the next thing you know, Jeremy Marinas hops on board and everybody hops on board and we're doing this previous for them. And we're in Savannah and it's a green light. It's a go. JJ shows up and he's like, what's the deal? And I give him the download and he's like, whoa. <laughs> that's a lot. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And That's it was crazy. super cool, you know, like it was it was really cool learning the 3D aspect of where Aang's trying to go for the future. Yes. And learning his traditional style of filming because there were times where we're trying to film the motorcycle sequence and he's like, I want the camera right here. And I'm like, uh, we can't do that. It's got to be at least like five feet or six feet. You know, you got you got the world's best guys, Regis Harrington on a on an e-bike that's carrying two 3D cameras with a prism mount that's 1,400 pounds. Yeah. Jay Lynch on a 450 that's like 300 pounds and he wants this distance from frame to to person. And I was like, hey, let's let's RD this. So we did preps. We did a ton of ton of prep. We 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 scheduled everything correctly and we just killed it during prep. We we Got the cameras there and like boxed in the whole entire alley. We brought in everything closer and we knew if these guys could do this within a little bit of closer, like we brought the boxes in closer, then yeah, they can yeah. do it on the day. So on the day, they just killed it. Like 100 degree weather out there. You hear Aang in the tent in this igloo tent because we're out there sweating, right? Oh, nice. And he goes, JJ, Justin. And you know, we, yes, boss. Faster, please, can we go faster? <laughs> and I look outside and these guys are ripping the corners at like 90 miles per hour. Totally. It's, it's insane to work on these massive films with these great like directors and just being able to push the limits like that, you know? Yeah, man, it's it's surreal to think about. I think a lot of people, we just see the end product and you're like, that's cool. But they don't realize like all that went into that that bike scene, like you said, from prepping it to the R&D to the location scouts and more than anything, like the inherent risk that these guys are putting themselves through 
by doing stuff that's not really ever been done before. Like, you know, there, there's not a reference point for a lot of this. And that's what, as a coordinator, there's a lot of times where I'm sitting there and I'm so nervous for my friends and stuff comparative to when I perform. Cause when I perform, I'm in control of falling. Like I trust myself, but when I have homies up here or like I have Ben Jenkins jumping off of a rooftop, like you've done, there's times where I have to look at him and be like, Ben, Please be safe. I trust you, but please, just please be safe, you know? It was like uh, Gemini Man, Tony Carbajal does this. It's a 40 feet high, like, sea wall. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a 40 foot drop, but the water's two feet. And there's rebars in the water. And I'm looking there like, hey, Tony, could you ride this thing? And it's, you know, it's a little slanted. And it's about five feet wide. And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, that's like a sidewalk. Yes. You know, and I'm and yeah. then JJ's like, yeah, he could wheelie down that thing, man, no problem. And then Tony looks at me like, <laughs> and then JJ turns around, checks him though, you got it, Tony, no worry. It's like staring at me like, yo, I'm like, bro, I think you can do it. And then he goes up to me, he goes, ah, sketchy. And then JJ goes up to Tony, and goes, hey, think about it this way. How many times did you ride a wheelie down off sidewalk? It was millions of times. He goes, well, what's any different from this? And he goes, ah, you're right, boss. That dude turned around with so much confidence. He went up that seawall and just wheelied the thing and Aang got off his seat. And like was yeah, yeah, this cool. moment, like he ran out and gave Tony a hug. It was super cool, man. Like That's cool, man. Yeah, shout out to Tony, man. Some of the bike stuff and that stuff was insane. It absolutely insane stuff. Where they're like fighting with a bike, for lack of a better terms, too. I like never you never really see that. It was crazy, man. Super cool stuff to see them. Like they choreographed most of it and being able to use their technique and integrate that with fights and like understanding camera motion. Yeah, it was really fun. Hell yeah. yeah. And like not to detract from any of the other jobs that you've done, because you've done so many incredible blockbuster movies that we were talking about. But I think I'd be remiss to not bring this up because it's one of the fan favorites from around the world is um, you've also had the opportunity as being a part of a 7 to work on the John Wick franchise in a bunch of different regards. Uh, one of which I know, like I'll throw on the screen is uh, you're the guy that gets thrown onto the kitchen countertop <laughs> by Keanu and then bashes off. Um, and so uh, what, which, which wicks did you get to work on and in what capacity did you work on them? Cause I know you worked as uh, a lot with actor training prep and actually performing as well. So. What was like uh, things you got to do on that franchise? So on one, um, I was the throwing dummy. And that was the technique. Uh, they called me the Uki. Yes. yes. And um, we actually, 8711 actually got this script in the very beginning. And what happened was Dave and Chad pitched that they wanted to direct this film. And Keanu was all about it. In the very beginning, it was like six months of prep with Keanu off the books, no pay. This was all like purely like- Just at the shop. Yeah. And I was, there's a, there's our, one of my really good friends, Eric Brown was brought in to be the judo jujitsu coach of the film. And he was like, Justin, he's the skinniest, he's the lightest, his arms are flexible, Let's, let's use him. And I was like, cool. And uh, it was like every morning, 9 a.m. with Keanu. But at 7 a.m., I had to learn what we were going to teach him. And it was like 7 a.m., Justin, you get thrown on your head. You know, like, and I'm, I'm over here, like, by 9 o'clock, I really don't really remember what's going on. But 
thank Keanu for asking me to go out to be his, his Uki on the first one because I was then a part of the core team for John Wick. Um, yes. We go out to John Wick and we're working on the first one. Again, I was just the first throwing dummy. Um, but these guys worked nonstop six and seven days with Keanu to R&D all this stuff. And it was insane because I blew out my knee during the first film and so did Danny Hernandez. So actually in that in that scene that you guys see where I get thrown on the table, I wasn't actually supposed to play that part. And on the day, Danny Hernandez comes up to me and goes, hey, I got the scene right after where I'm fighting. I don't think I can get on this table. Is it okay if we switch? And I was yeah. like, yeah, okay. And he goes, come on, young boy, young boy you're young, you know, you get it. You, you're light. I need you. And I was like, yeah, yes, sir. You know, and I'm like 23 years old, scared out of my mind, you know, like, yes, sir. Uh, I get up there on the first one. I completely miss like Keanu like freaks out, grabs me. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then we go, I think it was on take six. We finally get it. He goes, he does his head movement and I just go to lay out and I'm, I'm double jointed, but I don't know how how it looks. And everybody just thought I was decapitated. And yeah, yes. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? And I was like, oh, I'm good. And at the end of the night, um, Keanu actually thanked me while everybody was clapping. And he was like, no, no, Justin was the one who did it all. It wasn't me. And it was just one of those things where, like, he is such a solid actor even on day two of the same sequence i played the library part and it was so dark in there i actually got knocked out from one of his his gun strips mm. and when i got knocked out he grabbed my hand and he threw me against the bookshelf and that's what actually woke me up so when you see it in the take i wake up and i jump as much as i could on the next the evening because i heard jojo and jade uh jojo and chad say jump and I heard, get light. And it was like, you're like fighting in a match, you know, like you just hear your coach. Ah, and I just yeah. felt, get light. And I hit the floor and he drags me across the steps. And I realized, oh shit, I'm in the scene. And when I wake up, Jojo comes up to me and he goes, hey, how, what happened to the head reaction? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, oh, you got knocked out. And they throw an ice pack on my back and they're like, are you good? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And we go right back into it, you know? Yeah. Right after that, um, I have surgery for my knee. Um, I'm in the editing room for John Wick, and I'm I'm watching all these things, and I'm learning how these guys are directors, like how they have to take everything in. And you know, like people say, like, careful what you wish for, dude. These guys work so hard. Like, if you want to become a director, you should definitely prep yourself and watch these guys, because going into two, two is even more. Like, how do you beat one? Yeah, was, of course. Like, you can't. So how do you do that? You make Keanu better. Yeah. Like JJ went out and started looking for for gun ranges. We found Terran Tactical's gun range. You know, like we we got to utilize his place. And you know, JJ had a lot of military background and influence, and he knew a lot of people. And so did I. And at that point, after one, I was like, I want to learn about guns because this is the coolest thing. What did I do? I went online and I researched every single day when I had my leg tied up and I was just dry firing. And I saw this company called T-Rex, which 
sends me a lot of stuff, Lucas Bakken, and I started to learn his tactics. And I wanted to like show JJ, JJ took that and everything he knew and started creating John Wick 2. Yes. So the chamber check down to the magazine flick, down to the sweeping to pull the jacket to holster, you know, like all these things, that was JJ actually. And it was like, oh, like watching him influence all these guys to go down that path and create John Wick 2 and became the gun jitsu movie was like amazing to be a part of like and i didn't really have much to do with it i was again i was part of the training i got to fight coordinate in in the actual shoot um, and be a part of the core team of that get to r&d a lot of stuff for chad and jj but you know it was three i didn't really get to get a part because i was working on bloodshot but that was just that's another film itself like massive film you know three to them man they killed it yeah it's crazy to see the evolution because like you said like in the first one i guess what people kind of closely associated with was like being like a judo throw movie Keanu's just doing like practical judo throwing dudes all over the place and doing his own scenes but then from two on you really start to see the tactical side or like you said the the gunjutsu side where like he's really doing a lot of different type stuff you know so it's crazy uh, what's involved in our job. It's not just safety. It's also like creation and coming up with concepts and being able to further develop a character, you know? Uh, you know, like three was a hard one for them. They were like, how do we beat two? So they expanded. You go into knives, you know, knife throwing. You go into axe throwing. You go into all these other things. And it's like now it's like, where do they go from there? So now for all the fans out there, four may be even bigger you know like the story may even change i know they're they're actually thinking about it right now and there may be talks about it so hopefully everybody can watch four and be excited for that one too yeah man and i think one of the coolest things and like it's it's like a great segue to talk about is like you mentioned it like you were the uk getting thrown around on the judo tosses you picked up tactical shooting when you're recovering from your knee and all that stuff what people may not know is that your actual traditional background is in wushu (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so like for everyone out there that thinks that like, oh, if you did martial arts as a kid, you have a leg up on us. Like we do in the sense of like we have body awareness and we know fundamentals of martial arts, but all of the skills that have translated to this segment of your career are all learned skills that you had to learn in order to adapt at the times and keep up with it. Absolutely. And it's social media that I thank for that. And, you know, a lot of it is like YouTube and all the all the all the things that we can learn now, right? Like totally. Instagram, YouTube. There's such there's so many things that you can learn as an individual now. Like I started off doing wushu, like you said, and I was a I represented in the U.S. national A team at one point, and I never got to compete in worlds because I got to step foot in the industry really quick, and I got to learn to make money and learn other things. At that point in time, I realized that wushu isn't the greatest thing in the world. It's really good for body movement, but in a sense where it helps stunts, where it helps stunts is learning movements because you have to learn choreography fast. You gotta know your body motion, right? So that's where the strengths of Wushu came in play with me. But where it didn't help me was the snap or the power. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started to understand my body. So for Wushu athletes out there, look into boxing, and a lot of things that have fast twitch muscle movements, right? MMA, jiu-jitsu, like you fast twitching a lot of things because that'll help your performance. And that was the main thing that I saw when I was at 8711 was what I was lacking. 
these guys are the best in the fight world. Like, I look up to these guys. These guys are like eight-time world champion. Like, you know, like I never won a champion. I was just on the national team, you know. And being able to see how they performed and their work ethic, it was like Spartans, man. It was like these guys are like, ah, like, you know, like six-pack abs, like coming in there walking like this. And I was like little Asian guy from Texas with a dip in my mouth, don't know what to do. And I had that discipline. I was like, I'm going to be the best just like them. And I'm going to learn just like them and learn everything I could. I learned boxing. I learned how to kick. I learned Taekwondo. I learned all these little fight things. And I got good, but not great at it. Once I got that, I then moved on because I knew how many Asian people know how to fight. Not to, you know, like... Not to, not to stereotype, but I say this all the time. How many, how many Asians are 5'9", did martial arts? It's like all of us, dog. <laughs> and at the same time, it's like, man, I just, you went to an audition. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've been to an audition against you. And I walk in and I'm like, man, I'm going <laughs> later, guys. <laughs> you know? So, so funny, funny, man. And they all know how to fight. So I remember JJ telling me this one on John Wick one, uh, 2 was you need to be a toolbox. And remember to be a toolbox. Don't be a tool, not just a screwdriver or a drill bit, you know, like you need to understand everything, not just in the fight world. That's when I broke out and I was like, dude, I'm going to learn guns into John Wick. And that's when I learned movement with guns and how Wushu stances or anything that I do with Wushu may help my gun stuff. And then I looked into cars and bikes. I got interest. I always had a fascination for uh, motorcycles and cars when I was a kid. When I hopped into that, I was I finally got some money working for stunts, and I was like, I'm going to throw all my money into that. And that's where everything started to become like, hey, now you can stunt coordinate because you understand these things. You understand how to set up these things and what's safe, what are your ins and outs, what are your parameters. And that's when I got to basically take one step forward and help my peers and my friends make money in the industry, you know, like hire these guys and do the things that we love to do. Yeah. 100% man. And like, I mean, you spoke to it, like the more that you learn, the more that you're able to take on more responsibilities. Like when I was younger and early on in my career, I used to like be upset that I was the guy that had to like stay after when everyone wrapped. Cause we're like working on concepts or we're working on budgets or we're like shooting previs and editing. And I used to be like, ah, oh, I just want to go home and, and sleep when we get wrapped like everyone else. Um, but fast forward to now, like I'm super blessed because of the positions that we're in because we put in all that time and, and I'm not an expert at, by any means. I'm constantly learning, constantly trying to soak up things like a sponge. And, uh, and I think the name of the game is that is like, like you said, don't be a tool, be a toolbox, you know, cause I've noticed this on a lot of runs is like, you can either a be one of one where you're like an elite level driver, an elite level stunt double, or you could be the guy that fills so many different voids and, and, and boxes that like. That's why you're going to be on every run because they could look at you to ride a wire. They could look at you to drive a car. They could look at you to shoot previs. And before long, you're like, you're indispensable. You're indisposable. You know, like we need those guys. Absolutely. And you know, like for those guys who are, who are looking to branch out to do these things, like to get into cars and to get into bikes, you know, always remember, don't be too aggressive. You know, like they're, a lot of these people have done these things for so long. They're a little bit protective of what they do. And if you're very aggressive and you're just trying to go in there and just 
they'll they'll take that in immediate defense. You know, you got to be cool. It's in this industry, it's all about sharing everything, right? Helping each other out. So if I want to go learn something, I'm going to take that approach and be like, hey, you, I look at you as a mentor. You understand these things. Could I learn under you? Is it possible? You know, like go into that, like approach it in that sense. And people will eventually allow you to be in their group, be, you know, able to go to the track with them or, you know, like come to these events because that's how I started. You know, like I went by myself to the track every single day. I took a paycheck from Agents of Shield, went to go buy tires, bought a car, and I just went every single day and nobody invited me to any events. And then later on, people started to know that I was practicing because I started posting my progress, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, show your, show your friends what you're doing, you know, and then people then started inviting me because I wasn't too eager to show themselves. Don't always be eager. If the opportunity comes, be confident and show yourself, but you know, like always be cool and humble and just work, work the, work the system in a way where it helps you, and the way you present yourself for the future, you know? Yeah, man. I think one of the things that kind of gets lost with a lot of us in this industry, especially uh, in this day and age where there's so much content being made that people are working a lot more than they used to be and some people are working more than they should be, for lack of a better term. Um, I think one of the things that gets lost, though, is that like people think that because you're working on shows now that you no longer have to be a student, And I find that as one of the biggest misconceptions and flaws in people that I see around the world. And I try to remember, remind everyone like, dude, always a white belt, always a sponge, like constantly be a student. And that's the only way that you're going to evolve and not get left behind in the dust in this day and age. Absolutely. And you know, like, again, it goes back to ego. Like a lot of people don't want to let themselves absorb what other people's opinions are just because their, their ego get in the way, you know, like I, I do it all the time. Like I'm guilty of it, you know, but again, like we have our friends, our peers, you know, like I would ask you, I would call you sometimes and and ask for your judgment on things like, Hey, how do you see it? This like, you know, like, what should I do at this point? Like, you know, like constantly call your friends, ask them, ask the community, you know, like we're all your friends. We're all here for one purpose to make money and have fun. Right. We're not here to be like, the greatest. And if you are, kudos to you. But at the end of the day, we all need to make money. We're going back to our family. We're having fun. We're keeping it safe. And we're understanding the business together. We're learning together. You know, like I I love watching the indie guys out there who just R&D everything. I learned so much from those guys, you know, like Sonaris, you know, like Vlad Rimberg and all these guys out there doing all these indie stuff. I learned camera angles from these guys just watching their stuff sometimes, you know, like and you're constantly learning. You're like, there's no egos. If they have an opinion, let them try it. You know, why not? Yeah, We're yeah. all here for one goal. You know, and there's there's one thing that my mentors always told me was the mission, the men, and me. So the way I look at it is, what's your mission? What are you here to do? You know, next you got to look at your men, the guys that you hired, the guys that are going to have your back. Lastly, look at yourself. And then that, all three of those makes success you know yeah man i mean you you gotta have uh, you have to be confident in yourself but you gotta like get rid of the ego in a lot of terms because that's what can get you killed or get people hurt you know what i'm saying it's like um you know here's a prime example uh two years ago i was in boston i get a phone call to go on a location scout in south africa and i'm like i'm in boston right now they're like can you come this weekend i'm like sure but what are we doing they're like we need to scout stuff for this movie 
there's some chase scenes, some parkour stuff. And we also want to do car stuff. And I was like, Oh, hold up. I do everything, but like, I'm not an expert in the car world. So who did I call? I call you who's in South Africa at the same time. And I'm like, yo, Jay, can you fly and meet me in this city in South Africa? And we go on a scout together. I'll handle the parkour and stuff. And you handle the car stuff. And Sure enough, dude, I took like a 22-hour flight mission landing in South Africa, and you happened to be in Cape Town at the time working on, was it Bloodshot? or So you were already out there working on a Vin Diesel movie. I was in Boston working on a Jessica Chastain, Colin Farrell movie, and uh, our worlds collided because I just had to put my ego aside and, and say like, yo, I, I obviously can coordinate this movie, but if you have a lot of car stuff, I need to bring in a homie who really is an expert more so in this field, and... Uh, it worked out. They were like, let's bring both of you guys. And that, and that turned out to be like one of the best things, uh, one of the coolest experiences for me too, just to get out there and go with you. Yeah. And, and learning over there too, you know, like just being in the, the predicament that we were in and learning how to navigate certain things. Cause we saw a bunch of weird things out there too. And we, we got to see like how to experience that. And it was super cool. Like the guys who had us out there were really, really nice and very accommodating totally. Hope to work with them again. Um, I really do. And, you know, it's like you said, it's it's asking your peers, man. Like I call you all the time. If I if, if I if I miss a job or if I get called for a job, I'm like, yo, Travis, like you are my homie and you understand everything that I know. You check off all the credentials, you know, you can get insured, you can get all these things done, you understand a budget, and to my producers, you're the number one guy that I would pass along, you know, like you have all the and that's growing up with all my like all my homies, you know, like then if you can't do it, you know, a homie that you grew up with that can fill that spot, you know, and it's all about knowing these guys and helping each other out because you never know down the line. I may not have a job and I may be, you know, at home not doing anything. And you may call me one day. Hey, you want to come out and play? And I'll be like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, like to always be cool with your peers and help each other out. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Full transparency for everyone that knows my personal life and follows me online. You guys know for the last nine months of my life, I was talking about a show called Stumptown that I was the fight coordinator on. People may not know this, but on the Stumptown pilot, the stunt coordinator was JJ Perry and a co-coordinator and fight coordinator was Mr. Justin Yu. The only reason I got that interview and job is because of Justin and JJ. And it's like, if, if, if they didn't trust me to even go in there and be a representative of them, I wouldn't have had that job for the last nine months of my life, you know? So I've only heard good things about that from the producers and you're chilling it out there, brother. Thank you, dog. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get the chance to work together again sometime in some capacity. It's crazy. We're constantly just like, Hey, who can fit this role? Hey, who can do this? And, but we're never on the same jobs in the last like five years. It's crazy. Hell yeah, man. And I think one of the things that lends itself to uh, the, the notion I was talking about, how you always have to be a student. I think one of the things that really helped me and humbled myself back in the day, and you touched on it briefly, and it's something I need to cover, which is uh, when I first got into the industry way back in the days, like a decade ago, uh, I got the incredible opportunity to go into 8711 and train when it was closed to the public. Uh, I was there training with Anish Sherfa, Jeremy Marites, Danny Graham, uh, Aaron Tony was there a little bit. And, uh, Man, we were just getting destroyed for like eight hours a day doing previs, but I learned so, so much. And uh, as someone that is a member of 8711 and works very closely with them, how did you get involved with them? Because I think that's one of the most frequently asked questions, which is how do I get into 87? And how did you personally get involved with them? 
Um, I got involved personally through Sunny Sun. Yes. Yes. Was, he was my Wushu instructor in Houston. And um, he was like a brother. What are y'all Asians doing in Houston, man? <laughs> so, <laughs> the funny thing is JJ's actually from Houston too. He's That's the funniest part. part. <laughs> so Sunny wanted to move to LA at one point and I was like, yeah, you should do it. And um, kind of linked him up with certain people. He came out here, he did his thing and he got into 87. Um, I don't know his story behind that, but he got through, he got into 87 and he was one of their team members. Um, I learned stunts through Sonny in the very, very beginning. And he taught me all my fight beats. And he was like, you gotta hang with these guys. I actually hustled David Leach on in time. I don't know if you were. Wow. No way. That's crazy. And for those that don't know, David Leach is now like first unit directing movies, guys. <laughs> and he's one of the owners of 87. And, you know, the funny thing yes. was I hustled him back in, in time. And I remember Sam Hargrave was there. Nick Benzman was there. And I was I gave him my headshot and resume. And he goes, oh, cool. And he turns it around and goes, Sonny, son. I was like, oh, yes, sir. And then. One day I get a Sonny calls me. He goes, Hey, do you want to do previous for these guys? They're looking for guys. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. And I didn't know what it was, but it was basically an audition. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Chad asked Sonny to tell us to choreograph something and to present it to them that day. So we came in and we're just doing background stuff. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, present it to us. And we're like, well, and me and my buddy Lou, Lou Jun Chong, he, um, he was like, all right, let's go. And we we're like, back in the day, we didn't really know what we were doing. We we're like, ah, you know, just going full out. And I had this part where I, like, I was like, hey, I'm going to run up the wall. And then I ran up the wall and he like, he was supposed to do something. I don't know, but my shirt ripped. And I was like, if you, if you guys have seen 87 where the mirrors are, I, I remember running past the mirrors and it was just a big flat bag, like hack. And I just out of breath, couldn't breathe. And Lou was like still in the moment. And he's like, yeah, he grabs my, my shirt, picks me up. And I'm like, oh, hold on. And I'm speaking to him in Chinese. I'm like, one second, one second. And then he kind of goshes me. And then he just like finishes me. And I'm like, Ugh. and the next thing you know, Chad's like, hey, film that. And I want to see it by next Sunday. And I was like, okay, cool. We, we, we go to Sonny's old Wushu school and we filmed it Sunday night, sent it to him. I haven't heard anything in a while. We get a call back to do the Wolverine previs with you, I think. And that was like one of my, Oh, first I forgot. Oh my, oh my God. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that previs. I wasn't available like to finish it off and you played me in the end of it. <laughs> And that was like my second time getting back into 87 after the pre- No way. I remember that, dude. Yeah, me and Daniel Stevens. Holy crap. Yeah, he was yeah. or something. Yeah, it was like, yeah. And yeah. Oh. oh my God, I forgot. Yeah, there's a bunch of pickup shots where they had to use you because I wasn't, I wasn't available. Holy crap, dude. That's crazy. And I think it was like, Soon after that, Anise came back from whatever he was working on. And I stayed at your house because we were doing the continuous shots for that Wolverine previs. Mm -hmm. I remember like learning visual effects from Master David Wald. And then yeah. 
from that point on, I was just I stuck at eighty seven eleven. They asked me to do previs, and then I went on to the Wolverine, and then it just kicked off. Like I was a part of the team, and I was super super blessed and lucky. Every single day to me was like a test. Like you, you're in that gym, and you can't relax ever because they're the best of the best. So like one of my first bosses always tell me like the magic is in the details. So like I just remember always being three steps ahead and just remembering the details of everything. Like, Hey, that guy's about to go grab a pad. You know, that shots next, like he's about to do uh, a hand bomb into the deck. I'm over there grabbing the eight inches ready, like about to slide that in. And those were the things that I always remember. Just always be ready. Help these guys out. Don't like if they need water because they're performing, go grab water for them. Like it's not necessarily like kiss and ass, but how would you feel if you're doing like a 20 beat fight and then all of a sudden there's no breaks, you're sweating in a mask and then everybody's just chilling there. You know, like in a way you're kind of like, man, I really wish I'd get some water, you know, like your teammates are there. And that's what I learned. Like, being on set, it's the same thing. Your actor's doing something. Hey, go call the PA. Hey, we need water on set right away, please. You know, like, these are things you're always looking out for. Your your performer's fatigued, or if he's scared, you have to find a way to navigate them to do what you need them to do in a comfortable manner, you know? Like, those are all things that I learned from 87 Women. That's how I got, I believe, that's how they accepted me. They, they saw the personality that I had and the kind of person that I am, and they were like, we want this kid on our team. We want to, we want to teach him. And that's how I fell in. Hell yeah, man. And I'm glad you told the Lou story. Cause I was literally going to ask you to tell it and you just went right into it. And I was like, yo, cause I tell people about that to this day that like you guys had to basically do a live audition. Like when I was there, they were just having us do previs after previs after previs. But like, I remember you guys had to do a live fight and everyone was like, yo, you should have seen this dude. They were going crazy. Cause I wasn't there and I was dying laughing, thinking about it. And, uh, I totally had forgotten. I was going to ask you who the other guy was. I wasn't sure if it was Lou or Sam Lee. I, I couldn't remember. So I'm glad that you, uh, you you set the record straight on that. It's so funny, man. It's so crazy, man. And so like of all the projects that you've had the opportunity to work on like over the years, like there's so many that we didn't even touch on right now. And if you guys have any questions, go check out Justin's IMDb and check out his reels. But uh, is there a project that stands out in your mind as like your favorite and most rewarding uh, and they could be two separate answers in some people's instances they are. Um, I want to say John Wick too. Um, just because of the fact that like, again, I didn't get any credit for it, which I'm, I'm okay with. Cause you know, my job is to live in, to live in the shadows, but that show really made me understand what a coordinator was. And that show allowed me to learn how to become a leader and a grown up and to help my peers and my friends and that was the main one that i think and also agents of shield tanner gill for giving me the opportunity to to learn budgeting and to learn all these things with them and you know um these are the those those two shows really take apart like um i remember leaving a, a an eight incher in the background where jackson was getting hit by a car and you know like you just ruined the shot that's fourteen thousand dollars of a paint out like that i remember that you know like I'm just, fuck, it's Jackson's life, you know, like, <laughs> those are the yeah. things, and, uh, those are the shows that I actually really remember, those, the, the harder ones are the ones that I, I, I take in a lot. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy to think about, and now just, just, like, kind of a question I kind of ask friends that I know that have traveled so much like yourself, 
What's been uh, your favorite country to visit? Uh, or is there like a place around the world that you've been taking to that you're kind of surprised like, oh, wow, I never, never thought I'd be here, you know? You know, um, Australia was really, really fun. Um, Damn, I've never, never been. <laughs> London was awesome because the people were really cool too. Um, I mean, everywhere, everybody's, everywhere's been super accommodating. Like Colombia was the really, really cool. Um, it's it, all over. It, anywhere that we could work outside of the country, I don't ever look at the bad side. I always look at the great side, or like the good side of it, because you're, you're. I treat it like you're special forces, right? You go into an indigenous country, you, you work with the indigenous people, you teach them your ways, you learn from them, and you work together as a team. And I think every experience from every film, wherever it is, is is life changing, and it's it's always memorable. I mean, we're so blessed that we get to travel for free and get paid at the same time. It's like surreal. I mean. Like you said, you kind of got to look at the positive of every side. There's been so many jobs I've been to where literally people are like, oh my God, be careful. And I'm like, there's bad parts in LA. Like there, there's bad parts in every every city you can think of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, here's one, for example. I remember when, uh, when, when you were in Cape Town and we were going to go to South Africa, I told you like, oh yeah, we're going to go to Joburg. And you're like, oh, we're not going to Cape Town. I'm like, we're going to Joburg. And I was like, why does everyone keep saying that? I remember telling you that I, I, I got to the airport and I went to do my currency exchange. And I was like, yeah, can I trade it for this? And they're like, where are you going? I'm like, Joburg. And the lady was like, why? And I was like, what does that mean? Like, well, what the hell? And then I start Googling stuff and I'm like, oh shit. Like, oh no. Like I start getting really nervous. And then sure enough, dude, we show up there. We're greeted by like people that are so kind and so generous the hotel we stayed at was nicer than the hotel I was staying at in Boston. I was like, I will live here. I will live in this hotel. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, and it's like the perception that you have of places can definitely detract from your experience. So you got to just like have an open mind and just ride the wave, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Um, and so like you kind of touched on it before on like uh, things that for people to like, you know, work on skill wise, but like what advice would you have for a young kid who maybe like yourself, like back in Texas right now and has dreams of being on the big screen one day? Uh, what advice would you give to him in order to save him some time and also like correct some, maybe some of the mistakes that you've had along the way? Um, I would say move out to these, the cities that have a big film community. Um, I never went to film school, but I had the opportunity to learn from great mentors out there. Um, JJ Perry, Chad Stahelski, Jonathan Eusebio, and all these guys who do have the film knowledge. Um, On-site experience and being there is key. You don't get any, uh, to me, that's gold. Like that, being able to be on set and watch how that camera operator works or this works. If you're in Texas, I would say save up some money, do a GoFundMe account, do something to for donation for yourself to come out to Los Angeles, meet these people at least to try to get a feeling of how these cities work, how fast paced they are. Atlanta's a good place. New York's a good place. Um, Texas is starting to come up, but it's very slow. But I would definitely go to these places and try to network, try to meet people, go to jam, go to these places and actually learn from the martial artist or whatever field they're in, go to Willow Springs where the track's at, meet people and learn from them and make friends. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants to work with somebody they don't like. 
if you're that awkward weirdo and you know like everybody's gonna be maybe like this you know like so be cool go out there learn network do a bunch of homework youtube everything and anything and then grab some money and just go do it commit you have to commit yeah, man. I think that's great advice too. I talk about it all the time on here. I'm like, not only is it a, a contest or not only is it a matter of skills, but like you have to be a person that people want to be around for nine months if you're going to go on these shows for this long. And like it all ties into it all together like that. It's crazy. And now uh, one of the questions that uh, I asked the homies, which is like, uh, especially someone like you that, I, that I've seen like your career take this meteoric rise from being an extra to now stunt coordinating some of the biggest films in the world and stuff and passing jobs on to me, uh, which is like, what's, what's the end goal for you? Like, do you see yourself as a stunt coordinator? Like, what does Justin, you want to do and leave a legacy as, you know? Um, in the very beginning, I wanted to direct. Um, I wanted to take the footsteps of Chad Stahelski and JJ Perry and all these great directors, David Leach. Um, but I, I realized that that's really, really hard and the stress level that they have. And at the end of it, I realized that my end goal is what I love is second unit directing. And to be able to just shoot action would be the greatest for me. Um, being able to stunt coordinate and to second unit, that would be my ultimate end goal to be having a legacy of a name like the Spiro Rosados out there, the Jack Gill and Andy Gills, having that kind of legacy out there, being known as the greatest stunt coordinator or the greatest second unit director, having those names. That's, that's something that I aim for. And um, I wish that I could get that. Now, if I do get there, great, but those are the heavyweights of the, you know, of the, the era, you know, so I'm oh, still man. a thin weight right now, you know, I'm just learning, you know, so I'm, for me, if I fall short, I'm happy. I made enough money. I have a family. I have a house. You know, like I just want my friends to be happy and as make money as as far as we could go. Let's just push it. Let's do it. You know. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. And um, and, and this is something that I always like leave uh leave our conversations with, and it's not only to get some insight into your way of thinking and and your personal goals, but it's also as like a marker so that like let's say we can sit down again and rewatch this interview and, and see like what we've achieved over the years. And so uh, not everyone has an answer to this question, but I always ask it, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And then where do you see yourself in 10 years? Ooh. 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 And, and they're interesting questions. Five years. I probably see myself directing in five years and in 10 years, probably retired with the homies chilling. <laughs> right in an ideal world dude <laughs> eating sugar fish <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's crazy to think about man it's it, it's it's surreal to think about but um i do know this which is uh we're very blessed man our group of friends all of us are are so blessed to have incredible careers where you know we've all had crazy accidents but for the most part we're all safe we have the majority of our body parts intact and uh, our mental mental stability is up for question, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but more than anything, man, I think the coolest thing about it is that um, we're almost at that point now where our generation of guys and friends are going to eventually step into that next tier of running all the shows and directing these shows. And uh, we're blessed that we have these great friendships to really fall back on first because I know personally... 
I want to work with my friends. I want to work with people I trust, people that I love, and people that I want to like put money into their pockets because who cares if I make all the money alone? I can't go to Sugarfish by myself every day, even though I try to. But <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Um, so yeah, man, more than anything, dude, uh, I'm very thankful for, uh, your friendship and for people like you in my life who not only have we had the chance to continue to work alongside each other and see each other's careers advance, but we're constantly calling each other for advice, passing jobs off to each other here and there. And, uh, you know, more than anything, I appreciate, you know, you sitting down and taking time out of your day to just share some insight into your own personal life and your own journey. Thank you for having me, man. And remember, guys, stay safe. COVID-19 is no joke. Stay at home. Stay safe. Hell yeah, man. And so before we get out of here, man, can you just let people know where they can follow you and stay up to date with your own personal journey and stuff like that? Absolutely. On Instagram, I am Justin U. Redneck. <laughs> it's very memorable username, guys. If you, and if you don't know, now you know, right? Like, heck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, uh, yo, I appreciate you coming by, man. And uh, this definitely won't be the last time, that's for sure. Thank you for having me again, Travis. Oh, yeah. Guys, be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast, interviewing influential members of the movement community like Mr. Justin Yu himself. So as always, guys, I got to give a very special shout out to our sponsor, Inner West Hemp. Please be sure to use the code JAM to save 15% off all your CBD products and needs. I got to give a very special shout out to our guest this week, Mr. Justin Yu. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through and sending sincere wishes for health and happiness during this time. I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another JAM cast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.